1: G'day. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1287. I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And our title for today is Keep On Drucking for reasons which will become obvious if not immediately but throughout the course of today's show. Our podcast title is Proof of Pod and that's another one that's going to become obvious. How are you doing Megan?
0: I'm good thank you. I'm in my little home studio here and we're um, getting a new recording set up happening so it's exciting. It's got its own challenges.
1: <laughs> mm, the technology is in here. <laughs> All right, now I'm sad to report straight up front on today's Zero G that the artist Mort Drucker has died. Born in Brooklyn on March the 22nd or possibly the 29th, it's a bit confused there. In 1929, Morris Mort Drucker died on April the 9th in this year. He was a, a US American cartoonist and caricaturist who spent most of his 55 year career at the iconic satirical magazine, MAD, drawing elaborate send-ups of motion pictures and TV series, which is where I first saw his cool, wickedly entertaining work. As with Weird Al Yankovic's popular song parodies, there are still, to this day, famous movies, which I still only know from Mort Drucker's cartoons. <laughs> of course, I'm more familiar with his spoofs of genre films including the memorable ones of many Star Trek movies, uh, James Bond and Star Wars. In fact, for science fiction buffs, I I well remember that Drucker's mad takes on genre made that magazine one of the touchstones for collectors. So, you know, if you saw a film that you really liked, you had to get Starlog, American Cinematographer, Famous Monsters of Filmland, Cinefix and other magazines, some of them no longer around. The first parody that Drucker did for Mad was Producer, and I, that was his title, in 1961, and of course he was riffing off The King and I. And I think his last one was The Chronic Ills of Yornia, Prince Thespian, in 2008, which is obviously a Narnia movie. And Drucker racked up around 400 articles for Mad, all told, of which about 280 were movie and television parodies. He was also a comic book artist outside of Mad, with titles for DC that included The Adventures of Bob Hope which is cited as being instrumental in putting him on the road to caricature. And he did some presidential coloring books. I'm sure the president (laughs) incumbent would fail at that. And he also did a a Time magazine cover. And with movie directors like George Lucas being fans of Drucker's affectionately sharp takes on their work, it was kind of inevitable that they commissioned him to do actual movie posters for their films, such as his piece for uh, American Graffiti. Now, his honours included the first Lifetime Achievement Medal of Honour from the National Society of Cartoonists, and he was inducted into their Illustrators Hall of Fame, and the National Cartoonist Society Special Features Award, its Rubin Award, and he won the Eisner Award Hall of Fame in 2010. He was also an Honorary Doctor of Fine Arts from the Arts Institute of Boston. He passed away on April the 9th, 2020, in his Woodbury, New York home, and he survived by his wife of more than 70 years, uh, Barbara, and two daughters, Lori and Melanie, and three grandchildren. Now, he did some album covers as well, and if I can uh, find one from the 1978 debut for the Bears... Um, which is Cincinnati, Cincinnati, that's a hard word to say, Cincinnati Supergroup. And um, he did the a caricature of the band on the back of the album. So I've I've chosen a suitable genre track for that, Superboy.
0: Uh, hi, this is Jim
1: Beaver. I play Bobby Singer on the TV series Supernatural, and you're listening to 3 FM 0 g you idiots. Yeah, that was the Cincinnati Supergroup. The Bears with a track called Superboy in honor of Mort Drucker. He did the caricature cover for that band's album way back in 1987. All right, here on Zero G with Rob Jan and Megan McHugh, we've got an action figure up next. Just because you happen to be in lockdown doesn't mean that you can't play with toys. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I've got a real treat here. Look, there are lots of action figures who are accessorized with toy motorcycles Mm -hmm. from the World War II. Captain America, the Avengers, Black Widow. Uh, yes, she finally did get issued with one in the uh, in the toy universe. <laughs> Occasionally, it's kind of weird, like you know when they give Iron Man a, a motorbike. It's like I don't why? think he needs that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit extraneous, but okay, it's for the optics. I think
1: sometimes they give him a quad bike. <laughs> which, makes, which makes even less sense. Uh, um, sometimes it makes sense when they give him a truck or a car and yeah. you can imagine you can imagine he might have his suit set up like the robots in the car that would dress him.
0: Yeah, right, right. So it's all sort of tech that
1: fits in together, but um, yeah. sometimes they even give him a car that transforms into a suit.
0: Like a like a Transformers crossover type deal.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's fun for Tony Stark, I guess, but um he can tinker with that in his garage but anyway Hasbro's Marvel Legends has been conspicuously short of a certain unbeatable squirrel superhero <laughs> squirrel girl yeah there's some there's some pretty good statues of Doreen Green and some fashion accessory type dolls that came out with the Marvel Rising series but not a Marvel Legends figure until now <laughs> so okay there is a motorcycle and Okay, it's not a a Ghost Rider Hell Cycle, which is, by the way, the companion toy in this sort of wave, um, Mm -hmm. the ultimate rider wave. But there's a fetching step-through scooter, which is
0: uh, (laughs) – Rob's showing me on Skype and it's very cute. It's got a basket. It's quite jaunty and I'd say it's a lovely shade of – what would you call that? Like a teal (laughs) colour.
1: Yeah, you you nailed that. Although it's not not the bird teals (laughs) – um it's got it's got a, a handlebar mounted basket and one of those little squeeze horns that goes a wooga. <laughs> Steerable, it's got a kickstand, and an outrageous exhaust pipe in a flourish that's surely styled after Squirrel Girl's foofy tail. <laughs> and the action figure that comes with it is Squirrel Girl. Hey, there she is. <laughs> there she, is. she stands 15 centimeters which is about six inches tall, mm-hmm. in her fur-trimmed boots. The colour palette as seen in the comics of the Squirrel Girl grey trousers, uh, brown tunic, fur-trimmed vest, and she's got the little headband-mounted squirrel ears. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and a many-pouched belt, which, which probably reflects um, some of the com- earlier comic books. <laughs> That's where she carries her stash of nuts, so she's got red hair and a humongous bushy brown tail. It's an excellent sculpt. Mm. Yeah, the is, uh, face
0: is quite good. I think it's quite got a nice, nice look.
1: Yeah, I think it it gets her um, somewhat wacky persona.
0: Yeah, it looks like quite a fun. It kind of gives off the her kind of vibe of what the character is like. Oh gosh, I want to see a Squirrel Girl movie. It'd
1: well, you can pet. you can you can see her in the Marvel Rising cartoons on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, so they've got them there. So, you know, it, it, she's got 19 points of articulation, including the tail. Oh, <laughs> so the tail. Do,
0: <laughs> Does yeah. she, and she has a stand. Can she sit on that bike? <laughs> yes, of. because
1: there are, there are foot pegs on the uh, oh, the running boards of the bike. Okay. That that's you can not plug too bad. In. Yeah, that's not yes. too bad, actually. She sits quite well in there. The box is quite colourful, mm. right? It's got a uh, a woodland's sort of background in it oh nice (laughs) and it's the sort of box that you'd actually be happy to display the figure in yeah right oh
0: that's nice i like that the box is quite large it's like three times the size of the figure
1: (laughs) yeah but you got the background in there (laughs) true true
0: it's all for you know
1: display i actually I, I did have a, a bit of a beef with it, as I often do with um, the plastic packaging because it mm. like, conforms conforms to the shape of the figure and the, and the bike. Yeah. And it's actually quite hard to get the bike out. Yeah, the figure wow. was easy. And so I guess to compensate for that so you don't break anything, the horn and the wing mirrors, they all came off. Oh, so that's they were cool. like, yeah, so you add them in afterwards. And there's a kickstand that like, you know. <laughs> It's a pretty nicely
0: made little thing. Like, it. yeah, the fact that the wheels move and the the lights and stuff, like it's quite, yeah, very clever.
1: It's a hoot that the other toy in the wave is the ghost rider with his hell cycle. (laughs) So, like, they can drag each other off. So she's all set to get nuts battling and defeating Dr. Doom, Thanos, and even Galactus, Mm -hmm. the world devourer. (laughs) So, yes, she has... Fought all of those characters in the comic books and beat them all. <laughs> of course, of course. How did she beat them? Well, clean living, <laughs> a healthy diet and a little help from a posse of friends and or squirrels, free of which oh, are in, you the, get, in the package. Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: You get little extras.
1: Including her main um, sidekick, uh, Tippy Toe. Nice. Got a, <laughs> they've got a little ribbon around their neck, and they all fit into the basket on the, uh, the thing. This that's is cool. unspeakably cute.
0: I like that. I like that. That's a nice, I think that's a well-thought-out figure.
1: And I have to explain that I, I got into the Squirrel Girl comic books from um, when she originally encountered Iron Man. That was the mm, introduction of her. Yes, of course. And, and ever since then, when they actually got round to doing a 50-edition run of um, Squirrel Girl, as, a, as an actual comic book she had this long-running text battle with Tony star
0: <laughs> i think i remember when you covered this that they yeah, yeah. Uh, some of their in interactions and rapport and things and, and, um, and they, they, they
1: hung out and she stole his armor and flew to the moon in it so, oh and they had like
0: know. a nice little nice relationship
1: yeah, it was good. So it kind of reminded me of the relationship that Tony has with uh, Spider-Man in the movies.
0: Yes, I was going to of- say, yes. yeah. It, it but- might have brought some of that, like, little protege, but, like,
1: yeah.
0: Hmm. Uh, just thinking. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the Spider-Man movies and Avengers yeah. and all that jazz.
1: <laughs> I, I was very sad. This is my sad face. <laughs> when they cancelled the zany squirrel girl comics run after those 50 issues yeah. but this this toy this does bring a smile to my face
0: i'm glad that um, they did a release of it because i they i mean they don't, didn't even do black widow and she was in like five movies or whatever before she got her own figure um so it's pretty cool that you can get this
1: seeing in australia uh, that's the pop culture um a collectible store, had some of these. Mm. Um, I know Minotaur was trying to get some in. Minotaur and Zing are still open. Oh, really? And, and you know, the other comic shops which are in lockdown but are online in some of the collectible stores. So you could give it a try there, eBay, Amazon Prime, all that sort of stuff. Yeah,
0: get stuff delivered. and
1: Still having fun in the lockdown with toys.
0: I'm glad you got her, though, because I know that you had really liked her after her Tony interactions and ended up really liking the comics. So added to the collection.
1: It's a bunch of fun. And socially isolating, you can have any number of action figures. Yeah, exactly. It's it's irrelevant. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you
0: can I know, you that. don't have to keep distance. You don't have to no. keep that 1.5 metre distance from them.
1: Nut said, as they say. I'll go to a track now by a guy called, and I have to pronounce this carefully because I always get tongue-tied on this one, Adam Warrock. So he's riffing off the Adam Warlock character from the Marvel mm-hmm. Universe. Mm-hmm. So Adam Warrock, and this is his squirrel girl theme. <laughs> so he's kind of done it as a rap but it's 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 great fun. Hello,
0: this is Wendy Padbury. I played Zoe Harriet on Doctor Who and Sue Craig on Free Wheelers. You're listening to Zero G on three Triple RFM. Zero G? Well, I'm quite sure that doesn't add up.:
1: The Squirrel Girl theme. And it was by <laughs> Adam Warrock <laughs> <laughs> He has a whole line of different things that he does. Ah, oh, nice. That are are all they're all superhero orientated. Well, not all of them, but uh, the ones I've seen have naturally <laughs> my usual sort of blinkers. Sad. To say we have another in memoriam.
0: Yes. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Honor Blackman. She died on the 5th of April this year so she was aged 94 years so a good long run there but she was an actor and I thought I'd just go over I'm not actually that familiar with her so it was actually very interesting to dig in and see a little bit about what she, who she was and what she'd done I think she she's pretty well known I think I just didn't I just didn't know who she was. Um, but she died of natural causes at home. So nothing to do with, you know, what. And so from all accounts, it was peaceful, surrounded by family. So that's, that's quite nice. So she's probably most widely well known, um, for her role in Goldfinger Bond film. So the 1964 Bond with Sean Connery. And she played Pussy Galore, of course. So. That was sort of one of her breakout roles. And she was actually 38 at the time that she starred in Goldfinger. So, she's one of the oldest – I say that with a raised eyebrow, actresses to play a Bond girl. And at the time she was actually older than Sean Connery, which I thought was pretty cool and very interesting because they don't really do that these days, do they? They've sort of gone the other way and uh, they always cast for a young Bond girl. So I thought that was kind of cool and that role had sort of come and that made her more widely well-known in the U.S. and across sort of more internationally. But she was pretty well-known in the U.K. already because her – Actual sort of breakout role. Her first breakout role was as Cassie Gale in the sort of spy espionage show, The Avengers, not the Avengers that we talk about a lot here um but yes a 60s tv show so it was hour-long tv show very popular and she was alongside Patrick McNee who played John Steed and she was sort of kicked butt they ran around doing cool spy stuff she learned judo for the role and that sort of gave her she was quite popular um in Britain due to that series is that and you watched a lot of that Rob or
1: look I I haven't watched the entire series um it was one of those ones, it's it's still being repeated on television today, of course, but my The Avengers um, girl was Diana Rigg.
0: She played Emma Peel, and that was actually the character that was revived, so to speak, for the 1998 version of The Avengers, which starred Uma Thurman as Emma Peel and Rafe Fiennes as John Steed. That film was not very well received. <laughs> did you watch that uh, version of it? or
1: Look, I actually didn't mind it. It, it was as silly as the original ones mm, in some mm. respects, but they tried a bit too hard for the natural swinging 60s surreal sort of effect. Right, and it didn't quite pull it off in the end. But I did enjoy the uh, the new Avengers, which they booted up, I think, in the 70s um, with Joanna Lumley playing oh. the, uh, the new girl uh, Purdy.
0: Oh, she would have been pretty good. She would have been pretty good. I was wondering, Rob, if you had this track, but she did a recording with Patrick Mcnee of a song called Kinky Boots, um, which was recorded in 1964 and became quite the hit. No
1: worries, Megan. We sure do have that. Let's spin it on the platter. It's a bit archival from vinyl. Kinky Boots, a 1960s song written by Herbert Kretzmer and David Lee and recorded by the British Avengers on a Blackman also known as Kathy Gale and Patrick McNee, a.k.a. John Steed. There we go, Kinky Boots, a swinging 60s, leather go go booted 1960s novelty song, spinning off the British television series The Avengers, sung by John Steed and Kathy Gale, which is to say Patrick McNee and Honour Blackman, played in honour of the late Honour.
0: Yeah, so apparently she's a bit of a singer and she did put out an album as well. So
1: I thought that was Yeah, sweet. actually quite a lot of songs on that too that I was mm, looking at mm. the other day on a Blackman from the British Avengers and she also played Pussy Galore in the James Bond movie Goldfinger.
0: So, yes, so Anna was probably um, most well-known for sort of those two roles, but she's done a lot of other things as well. So, she also played in 1963. She was in Jason and the Argonauts. She played Hera, and she was in a couple of episodes of Doctor Who. Now, as a non-Whovian, I looked it up, so I don't know. I hope these descriptions are correct. So, Rob, you jump in if need be. So, she played Professor Lasky. And it was in sort of the television, the arc of Terror of the Vervoids. Yeah. yeah. Which was sort of way back in, I think it said sixth Doctor Territory, Colin Baker. Is that right? Mm -hmm, Yep. So uh, that was season 23 of Doctor Who. And it was episodes nine to 12 of The Trial of a Time Lord. So it was sort of a story arc and she was involved in that. And so that would have been. I should have looked up, but what era was that? That was a while ago then, wasn't it? If it was six, it's a doctor.
1: <laughs> yeah, these are, these are classic Doctor Who stories. Yeah, right. Well, well before the, the present day. Mm-mm,
0: present, present day, yes. So the, she was in Doctor Who as well, which falls firmly within our interest. She was in a couple of Westerns, uh, one called Shalako. Sha- Shalako, Shalako, <laughs>
1: Shalako. Yeah, that's the one. With Sh- that's with Sean Connery.
0: Yes, she was with Sean again in that, and Bridget Bardot was also in that one. And she was in something big with Dean Martin in 1971. She also dabbled in a little bit of theatre. She was in uh, some productions of The Sound of Music, My Fair Lady, and Cabaret and back to doctor who briefly she did actually appear in the an audio doctor who kind of serial the children of seth and she played anahita that was more recent and that was in
1: december 2011 so she actually ticked off a lot of the boxes of uh of British actors. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, she didn't star in a Harry Potter, but um, that's probably her one gap. But she also recently toured and performed. She had her own show, which was called Honor Blackman as Herself. She sort of discussed her life and looking back, fam- her family life, her career, and things like that. I thought that sounded pretty cool, actually. By all accounts, she was described as just a lovely, down-to-earth person who very talented and yeah, so I thought that was really interesting digging into that. I actually be interested. I'd watch a bit of the Avengers, I might look that up actually.
1: I wonder if you can find that streaming. You can certainly find it actually on television. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, Yeah. right. Okay. I guess because it's one of those things like Get Smart and all that that they replay a lot
1: maybe. They went for a fairly long period where they didn't play it at all on telly. Yeah. But, you know, because now they've got all these new extra channels and so on. They've got the space for it.
0: I actually also haven't even seen – I haven't seen Goldfinger. So Uh I actually haven't seen a lot of older Bonds, so I could – could watch that as well. I'd be interested in doing that. I mean, I've got the time. I'm at home. I've got a TV here, so yeah. So that's Honor Blackman and uh, a little look back on her life
1: today. I, I just wanted to have something to bring up the mood a bit because you know, yeah. if you under the circumstances and with a few in under our under our belt today, um, I thought we might play the theme from the Avengers, the British Avengers. Nice uh, with a belly dance riff to it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hi, this is Matthew Riley, creator of the Scarecrow and Jack West Jr. series. Welcome aboard the zero G heli carrier on Three Triple Semper Sci-Fi.
1: There we go. The Avengers theme with a belly dance twist to it. All
0: right, it okay. Quite jaunty. I did enjoy it.
1: <laughs> a, a jaunty film. Up next, <laughs>
0: <laughs> jaunty is probably not where I'd go with that. But uh, yeah, yeah fair. I mean, things were getting jaunted out of their bone sockets and things. I suppose.
1: <laughs> yes, extraction.
0: Yes, we've checked out the latest of Hemsworth's oeuvre. I can't say that word on Netflix. So we've been confined to our streaming. But it, this is a sort of a Netflix original, straight to Netflix kind of deal. I mean, look. Let's be honest, Rob. What got you interested in this? <laughs> well,
1: oddly enough, it was the opportunity to say instead of having an early Christmas, we're having a an early Mass Chris, <laughs> because, it's, because it or a massacre Chris because it's it stars Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Well, last, last week <laughs> we looked at um, Red Sea Diving Resort with Chris Evans.
0: Yes, so we're going hard on our Chris content at the moment.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so this is directed by Sam Hargrave. It is on Netflix. It's dropped mm-hmm. on Netflix. So it's gone straight to that. Sam Hargrave has a huge CV stuntman and fight choreographer. Mm-hmm. He's worked on practically everything violent.
0: Yes. Well, you can tell. You can tell from this. Uh, There's definitely, I can see that that's his realm of interest. He seemed to know a lot about it. And now I can see why he has a stuntman background. That there's a breaking it down shot by shot video on on Netflix's YouTube account. They do sort of shot by shot, break it down scenes. So it had Chris and Um, Sam. Sam, Sorry, Sam. So they were discussing a particular scene, the first action scene, and breaking down how it was all done and shot, which was pretty cool. So that makes sense now because he seemed very across how to do these stunts and how to do this kind of graphic action
1: and he's kind of worked with all of the uh the mcu the marvel cinematic universe actors before because he did uh, you know winter soldier uh, avengers endgame he was a stunt double for steve rogers and cap oh cool uh, a couple of times and the other thing about this that ties into the mcu it's um joe russo writing the script and it's all based on a graphic novel. i see you, Dad.
0: Interesting. Okay. I was wondering kind of where the idea for this had come from. Because mm. it's a strange film in my opinion. But anyway, let's let's plug on.
1: And the other Russo brother, of course, uh, Anthony, is involved with this too. You can see that it's really a stunt. Yes. Film.
0: It's all basically. action, all, all the time. Action. You could say to the detriment of other things like character or plot – but uh, there's certainly it's action-packed, that's for sure.
1: What you see on the ammunition box is what you get in this film. Yeah, exactly. Much.
0: No, that's very true. It doesn't purport to be anything that it's not. Think
1: The Transporter mm. or The Raid. Yes, sure. That hyperkinetic action film.
0: Reminded me of some of those like End of watch, and though you know, those action y type ones where you're very in it, it's very visceral, and the whole film is just this kind of shaky action running around type of thing. So it's very, then it's quite dark and gritty. It falls within this kind of realm, I think. Hmm.
1: There's a very old, kind of wild film called The Naked Prey that's set in Africa, and there's a, an adventurer who gets captured by a tribe and then he gets set loose, and tribesmen chase after him. Oh, okay, uh, And try and kill him. And that was hyperkinetic too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this kind of reminds me a little bit of that sort of thing. Yep. Chris Hemsworth plays Tyler Rake, naph name. Uh, Rake. Fact-
0: <laughs> that brings back memories of one particular shot.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> the film starts out with Tyler on a bridge. Looking like he's losing a firefight. Yes. The rest of the film is essentially a flashback. Mm, Yes, yes, exactly. There's Mm. a a rich schoolboy in Mumbai. He's a drug lord's son. Mm -hmm. He goes out to a nightclub and gets kidnapped.
0: Come on, kids, don't go to nightclubs if your parents are rich because you'll get kidnapped.
1: (laughs) And the Tyler Rake character is a mercenary. We see quite early in the piece – what a lockdown, but squirrelly sort of fellow he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he is commissioned to go in and extract the young yeah. boy who's mm. been spirited off to Bangladesh. I think
0: mm, he's this gun uh, for hire who sort of goes in there and is going to get the job done.
1: Mm. And you know, he's not the god of thunder in this, but he no. certainly does bring the lightning.
0: He can, I mean, he can do action, that's for sure. Like, I think he did quite well as sort of a, I mean, obviously the Avengers and Thor and stuff are action films. He does a lot of stunts and things in those, but it's a bit different. Like, this is your, in your realm of your more kind of Stalloney kind of, I don't know, Bruce willis well,
1: type action. It's funny you should say that because both Willis and Schwarzenegger were both attached to this property. Oh, well, there you go. At, at some stage. There's some things I liked about this film. They let him be Australian. Yeah, I agree.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they even had some, I mean, this isn't a spoiler of any kind, but a shot or two of him in Australia, quote, unquote, but I thought they did a nice job of trying it. That was authentic. I think obviously maybe Chris was like, yeah, if you're going to make me Australian, I want it to at least look like I'm actually Australian and in Australia for this scene of me. <laughs> Being Australian. Yeah.
1: And I think they've used one of his kids too for sure. Oh, nice. on the beach. Oh, yeah. of course. Yes, yes. That yeah. makes sense, actually. It gets very kinetic very quickly. There's lots of sharp things. There's lots of bullety things and coffee cups. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Honestly, someone has had such fun doing the sound edit for this. There's punching cabbages and all kinds. Of, there's so much like visceral like squelching <laughs> that it was quite um because there's a lot of things being hit by other things and flying and bones cracking and running into things or being thrown into things and yes
1: yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit deadpool in places and and there's a reason for that because the director worked on the deadpool movies too so. yes
0: but without the the lightheartedness
1: of deadpool i would say <laughs> yeah when you're watching it you can get a bit confused about which faction he's currently facing, because there's like the two drug lords, there's the police, the army, and there's even just local gangs that he stumbles into along the way. There is a lot to keep track of. <laughs> Don't sweat too much if you can't figure it all out. So, okay, Chris Hemsworth is Tyler, right? I think he actually, you know, he's like a tree trunk. <laughs> <basically>. <laughs> yeah. He's well cast in this. It is a role that a lot of the other action heroes could play.
0: Yes, uh, yeah. It's not given much. I mean, there's some backstory, sort of, but, you know, it's he's there because of his bicep size, not for his ability to cry on command. Hmm. In now, this, anyway.
1: You could say that this is a film that goes into that white saviour territory. Mm. Because That is actually the role that he's been cast upon. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I will say that. Practically everybody else in the film is not in the white saviour role. Mm. So there's that.
0: I Um, mean, he's pretty much the only, oh, no, there's
1: some other white people in the film. (laughs) There's a a cameo from uh, our old friend David Harbour.
0: I was delighted to see that, to be honest. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like David Harbour. But it just reminded me how far away in the distance Black Widow is. (laughs) Then I got sad.
1: I'm pretty distant from his stint as Hellboy, and I'm not so sad as that. Yeah, true, true.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think, I mean, that whole mercenary thing, though, that's, I guess it's also sort of portraying kind of the- Push through till you get it done attitude and the problems around that. But maybe that's giving it a bit too much credit as
1: well. Obviously, he's there because he's Chris Hemsworth, though he's major in the West. Because there are so many Indian action movies that are very Mm. similar to this. Mm -mm. So many of those. I don't actually don't feel like he's taking the role away from an Indian actor.
0: No. And I think there's a, a lot of it spoken like not in English and there's a lot of layers here. And I think it is just a multicultural film, not necessarily something, yeah, that's, overlapping territory I, I guess my feeling was it was just a very interesting setting and an interesting story that they've chosen to do and I didn't really find any issue with it because the whole point of the role as well is that he's this mercenary brought into this environment into this situation so it made sense for me
1: <laughs> it's actually the sort of mission you'd, you'd be better off sending the punisher on yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. well I mean because it pretty much is like it's a of it felt like video game like in that just kept being like one situation. Okay. Your next situation is this, you've got to get from A to B and then, you know, carnage everywhere. I mean, there was some cool action, but it was, it was relentless as well. Like it's all right, when are we getting to the big boss? Like, when is this level over? I don't have anything against that per se, but there wasn't much for me to cling onto in terms of, engagement or mental stimulation to be honest it felt quite rote like oh another scene another scene who's getting crushed now kind of thing
1: i I actually reckon it would make a good klingon film the klingons would enjoy this
0: (laughs) yeah all (laughs) that blood and
1: guts (laughs) yeah i actually think the acting is is pretty solid in this the young boy ovi is his Mm. name in the story uh, played by rud harakash Uh, Jai Swai and Randeep Huda plays a former Special Forces operator who's Chris Hemsworth's opposition in this. Mm. He's great. So they even give him a bit of a family backstory.
0: Yeah, I think they do a little to flesh out certain
1: points, certain bits and pieces. Tyler Rake character has a, a posse as well. He, like yes. he's got satellite Overwatch run by an actress whose name is Gold Shifter Farani, mm-hmm. and she's actually an Iranian-born actress who's got a big singing career. And you think that that would be a cue for me to play a track, but I'm not. <laughs> but <laughs> she, she was very you know, good. We've seen her before in um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and she played the sea witch in that Shansa. Oh. and she she still manages to wear eyeliner in this. Environment of, of, uh,
0: yeah, it was cool though. I I like the, I mean, yeah, because obviously we're working towards the climax that we saw at the start of the film and, yeah, see how that kind of all plays out. I was, I mean, obviously we're not going to spoil anything, but I think what elevates the movie a bit, there's some things towards the end that I thought were interesting and good choices. Let's just say that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I enjoyed it for as an action film of that species. It doesn't really have a lot of downtime in it. No, uh, I'd say none. <laughs> you know, and they do have a lot of really intense fight scenes in this, which reminds me of some of the best ones in Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Mm. Uh, and it's got a, a pretty good soundtrack too. Just play you the car chase from Extraction, which is on Netflix at the moment. So here we go.
0: Hi, I'm Lindsay Morgan. And I'm Reg Morgan. Uh, No, we're actually Colin and Cameron Cairns. Writers, directors of 100 Bloody Acres, and you're listening to Zero G. They're not psycho killers. They're just community radio broadcasters. Is
1: that all right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we are back in the studio with Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And we just played a track from Extraction, the new Chris Hemsworth action movie on Netflix.
0: And that music was by Henry Jackman, Alex Belcher. What a name. Well, maybe it's two people, Henry Jackman and Alex Belcher. It is two <laughs> that people. Would, that would make more
1: sense. <laughs> yeah, two people. It's not It's not just a first-person shooter movie, <laughs> <Yes, laughs> soundtrack-wise. Well, that's about it for Zero G today. Yeah, Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. And I thought that as our out track today, we'd revisit the Annie Lennox and uh, David Bowie Under Pressure cover. Nice. And this is obviously for the Freddie Mercury tribute concert mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. work together. I just thought it might be appropriate under the circumstances. All right. That's it for Zero G for today. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob.